Hello everyone. Don't know if you can see me. Can you see me? Doesn't matter anyway. Um, thanks for your youth prayers, by the way. Much appreciated. Um, yeah, um, uh, we love those folks. They're great. Um, <laughs> uh, so here is uh, Ephesians 3, 1 to 13. Just going to check. I'm definitely reading from the right bit. Yeah, okay. Um, for this reason, I... Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable, the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the, through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realised in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Thanks, ma'am. Thank you very much um, for reading that. Um, do, do keep your Bibles open um, if, if you've got them open at the moment or if you haven't, open them to <laughs> so Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to 13 um, to check what I'm saying um, is right. Um, it'll be great um, if you do that. And I'm just going to pray as we hear from God's word um, and pray that it would be him speaking through me. So Lord, um, um, I, yeah, I do pray that this, this would be your words for your church at this time. Um, and Lord, I ask that it would be an encouragement to us all, that we would um, learn much today of your love for us. And that would just um, really comfort us um, as we go ahead into the week ahead. And Lord, we know that your word is comforting and it is cha challenging, but it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful um, way in which you, through your spirit, speak to us. And so we do just pray that tonight would be a time that we are able to enjoy um, what we hear, regardless of how well it is presented or not. Lord, I pray that it would have a nugget for each of us that we are able to hold on to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, it's a little bit odd. I can't, I, I spent most of my, my preaching life so far in lockdown, which has meant that I've not really been never seen anyone else on the screen as I'm preaching and so all I can see is my face um, at the moment so you can be doing whatever you're doing at the moment I have not got a clue but I'm every now and again I might pause um, and 
and just to check that there are people there is ask for an amen every now and then a little bit American style. So um, if I do that, if I remember to do that, please do um, join in. If you don't, then I'll know that no one's really listening, but we'll pray that you are, pray that you are. So um, guys, I'm really excited about what the words got in store for us today. Um, it has really been um, encouraging for me this week as I've been able to work on this. It's a real privilege to be able to do that and spend time um, in it. So I hope and pray that it is an encouragement for you um, this week. And just a few questions to ask us at the start individually. So for ourselves, does it matter if we tell other people about Jesus in the in the grand scheme of things? If the spirit does all the work, does it really matter if I tell people about Jesus? Does it matter if I if I actually give my finances or some of my finances to the church? Am I really an integral part in God's plan? Does it really matter if I seek unity with people that I find difficult? Is that important? Does it make any difference? Maybe, maybe you just don't feel worthy enough of the calling that God has given you. Maybe you think, how can God use me when I'm a wretched sinner? How can he use me in my circumstances at the moment which are challenging? Well, or on a corporate scale, thinking about, does it matter if this, this small little church oikos, does it matter if we are a united church? Does it matter if we are? You think, you think about the, the church around the world, it just seems so uh, fragmented, doesn't it? It seems to be fading. How can the church be God's grand plan? It doesn't seem like it, does it? Well, this seemingly obscure passage that is kind of um, a digression of Paul's, um, it, it starts off with a prayer in verse one, if you can see that, where it talks about, um, it starts with Paul forming a prayer in the light of what God has done, as we've seen in chapter one and chapter two, where we've looked at that in Christ, we've received every single spiritual blessing that we have been saved from um, from death to life. We've been, we were children of wrath, but now we have hope in Christ. We've been resurrected with Christ. We were once aliens from God, but now we have a hope in him. And this is a this is a prayer that he picks up again in verse 14, which uh, Kenny's going to bring to us um, next week. But it does have a point. This digression is actually really, really important. It, what, what he's trying to do is he's trying to make a point about his own personal ministry that he's been given, about revealing the mystery of Christ to the Gentiles and to the rulers and all the authorities in the heavenly places. And what he's trying to say is that this ministry that I've had, that I've been given, is actually a ministry for the church. There is a point to it. There's a point for you individually, and there's a point collectively as a church. And even in whatever circumstances you are in, there is a point to your individual ministry and your collective ministries. You are integral to God's glorious plan of uniting all things to Christ. And so I hope that this is an encouragement to you today that we are integral to what God's plan is for the church and for this new humanity. And so we love alliteration here at church. So Ben, if you don't mind just uh, uh, scribe, uh, flicking on, please. We've got three Ps. We've got a paradox of ministry. Don't worry, I'm going to tell you what a paradox is because I need to look it up as well. Um, we have a pattern for our ministry and a purpose of our ministry. We see those things um, today. And so pray, as I say, that this will be an encouragement for you. So first, we're going to start with a paradox of ministry. If you click on, please, Ben. Well, what is a paradox? Well, a paradox is a seemingly absurd or contradictory statement, which when investigated may prove to be well, uh, well-founded or true. 
So for example, I've got a couple of examples for you. Um, if um, they, there's this paradox, which is you need to spend money to make money. It sounds a bit foolish, but actually that is a truism, isn't it? You do sometimes need to spend money to make money. Another one, if, if I know one thing is that, I do, is that I know nothing. So that's a paradox there. These are that seemingly contradictory statements that actually when they're investigated could well be true. And so we see three here in this passage about Paul and um, three probably absurd contradictory um, situations that he's in. They're actually when the gospel is shone shun on them, shows them to be shows them to be true. And so the first one here we have if we click, uh, is sorry, on this one is Paul, the prisoner of Caesar versus Paul, the prisoner of Christ. He says in verse one, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. You see, well, Paul is saying, look, I'm a prisoner of Christ. But actually, the, the, in, in the realistic sense, he's actually a prisoner of Caesar, isn't he? He's a prisoner of the most powerful man in the world. He's been put under arrest in Rome. But he doesn't see this as a problem. He doesn't see that circumstance as a problem at all, because he sees that first and foremost, he is a prisoner of Christ before he's a prisoner of Caesar. He trusts that he is there by God's design, that that has been ordained by God. God, and, and he's still in this situation, he is using this opportunity to praise God so he's seen as all the more powerful and all the more wonderful. And we see in Philippians 1 verses 12 to 36, Paul highlights about uh, the effect that him being in chains has, ha chains has had. He talks about it's, it's been for the advance of the gospel. Because I've been arrested, because I'm in prison, it served as an encouragement to others that they've been able to act with boldness in their faith to tell other people about Jesus. He, he trusts that Christ has a plan for him, even in his difficult circumstances. But then we also see another paradox, if you just uh, click on please, we see that Paul's, um, Paul's experiencing suffering versus Paul's grace-given ministry. He says in verse 16, um, at the, uh, it's not verse 16, I apologise, verse 13, it says, um, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul is suffering for them, for the Gentile Christians. And yet we see in this passage that he's charged with making known the divine revelation of the mystery of Christ to them as well. I mean, that is a bit of a paradox, isn't it? Suffering, and yet he's been given this divine power to go and tell other people about the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, in his suffering, Paul is in prison. He is still an oikonomia, I think it's said. Um, Andy talks about the six oiks that there were in last week's passage. Well, oikonomia means that he's a steward or an administrator of God's grace. It talks about that in, in verse two. I don't know if Paul, if you, uh, sorry, Ben, ben um, if you can just click on please um, for a moment, hopefully it's up there. So um, it talks about Paul being a steward or, an, admin, or um, an administrator of God's grace. Maybe just click back, sorry, mate. Um, it, it, can, it can be seen as putting into practice what God's plan is to the Gentiles. Paul is basically fulfilling his responsibility to share the gospel to the Gentiles, that they have received every spiritual blessing about what they were once and what they are now, that they were children of wrath, but now they're children of God. And it's an act of divine grace that God has let Paul be part of that mission. So it's not only a grace that Paul has heard the gospel in the first place and had that amazing transformation in his life where Christ was revealed to him, but it's also grace, it's almost a double grace. It's another grace to even let him share in that ministry of telling other people 
about Jesus, about revealing that mystery to them that he had revealed to him through the spirit, revealing it in people's hearts and minds. And the thing is, I think the Ephesian church needed to hear this. You've got to think about this. Paul, the, the, the leading apostle, along with Peter, was, was now looked defeated. He looked like he was in prison. He was suffering. He was weak. His reputation was potentially in tatters. But the mystery that has been revealed to, to them, the privileged status that Paul has talked about, that they have received, and we as believers have received as well, as being fellow heirs, if we just click on, please, but fellow heirs, members of the same body, as it says in verse six, partakers in the promise. This is such a privileged position, but it doesn't feel, but the Ephesian church are probably thinking, why does it not feel like that in reality of our life? Why, if we've got this privileged position, are we, is that not reflected in what life is like for us now? We're sons of God. Why are we struggling and finding things difficult? But Paul wants to show them in the paradox of this situation is that um, our triumphant status in Christ trumps our tumultuous status in the world. And I'll say that again. Our triumphant status in Christ trumps our tumultuous status in the world. This is temporary. What we've received is eternal and spiritual blessings that will go through with us into eternity. This is but um, a, 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 a blowing in the wind, I think is a, I might have said that wrong. So we just need to remember, guys, as well, that this, our, our, our status is a privileged one because we are the Lord's. We are in Christ. And that trumps our situation right now. And so we also see a third paradox as well. If you just click on Ben, please, that Paul is less than the least of all the saints versus Paul's empowered for ministry. We, Paul is the less than the least of all the saints versus Paul's empowered for ministry. We read, pick it up at verse seven, where it says, um, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Paul is the least of the least, the least of the saints. It says the lesser of the saints. So the Greek word for this, I believe, is something like leeches. I can't say it properly my greek is not very good um, but it means leaster and so ironically paul is imprisoned and he's less than the least the lowest rank saint, saint as he would rank himself is the one who's proclaiming the unfathomable riches of christ it's ironic isn't it and this is paul's view of himself El elsewhere and he refers to himself as the worst of sinners but Paul believes that to be true. He's not just putting himself down because um, he's self-deprecating, not at all. It's, it's about, um, he, he was the worst of sinners. He was a Christ, per Jesus persecutor. He, he persecuted Christians. And yet he's the one that's been in, empowered to steward the grace of God, passing on that mystery of Christ to others. This is something that only God could do in Paul, first of all, to save him. But also there's the ongoing power that he's been given to stay on this mission and to share the mystery of Christ with others through the, the power of the Spirit. But you see, and this is really important, it is precisely 
because of his leastness that God's work is made known. It is because of the divine power in his life and his ministry and his sufferings and imprisonment that God is made known all the greater to the Gentiles so that everything that Paul achieves is, uh, is down to God. We see uh, Paul talks about this repeatedly in this passage. He talks about in 3 verse 2, God's grace was given to me. Verse 3 was made known to me. Verse 5 has been revealed. Verse 7 was a ministry of grace, uh, uh, was a minister and was given. It was all given to him. None of it, this, this is his own. This is all from God. See, this was not given to him because he was worthy, because he was skilled or talented. It wasn't because of his pedigree or anything like that, but it was purely a gift of God. And that's why Paul is, is at pains to say, this is from God, this is from God. It was a grace from God. It's from God. It's his power. The least of all the saints, the worst of all sinners, empowered on the mission of God, to reveal the mystery of Christ to, that is uniting all believers and all the universe and the whole cosmos under Christ. From a position of imprisonment, from a position of weakness that the world would laugh at and scorn. That's the paradox of Paul's ministry. But, but also we see, and I think this is, this is the, the bit that I think is really hopefully encouraging for us, that Paul's, Paul's ministry, the paradoxes of Paul's ministry is a pattern for our ministry today. Let me just click on please, Ben. I think we do have to be careful um, sometimes to make to make sometimes direct applications to our own lives um, when, we, when we're reading the Bible, don't we? We have to be careful not to, uh, every, there's, there's, there was a context and a time back then that we have to take into account as well. But because Paul had a unique role, he was given this unique, unique role to reveal God's grand plan to the Gentiles. But as we'll see in the final point that we look at in a little bit, in the later verses of this passage, it, Paul talks about it's the church now that is empowered to reveal the mystery of God through the spirit. But it's the, it's the church, it's the as individuals and, as, and corporately as the church, that is our role now. And so we can apply Paul's situation um, and Paul's ministry to our ministry now. And so first we see that God uses those in any circumstances to be stewards of his grace. And this should serve as a great encouragement to us. We, we have been um, given the grace of God. We know we've been saved by grace for those who know Jesus. We know that it's all down to him. But he's given us the grace as well to be able to reveal this to other people through the power of the Spirit. But what we also see in the pattern of this ministry is that we can do this in whatever circumstance we are going through. Whatever circumstances we are in even as a prisoner, but um, because, these are, these are, because these are circumstances that God has ordained for us. He knows what we're going through. He knows every single one of our situation. He knows what's happening today. He knew what happened yesterday. He knows what's happening in five years. He knows, he knows all that. He knows our situations. But he also knows that our situation can serve as a discouragement. They can be discouraging in our ministry, can't they? What, what, what's going on in our lives? Think for Paul when he first got arrested before he got to Rome, and he was arrested um, 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 <clears throat> when, when, when we said that he was arrested for the first time. He was going to be um, he was thinking, "Oh, this is stopping my ministry. How can this be in God's plan for me?" It would have been a discouragement to him. How can I go and see all the other visit all the churches that I want to visit and encourage them? I can't because I'm in prison. Well, maybe for us, we're not imprisoned, are we? We're not trapped in prison, but. But we can sometimes feel discouraged in our ministry. We can feel weak in our ministry. 
but we need reminding that just because our privileged status is in Christ, but it may be that our circumstances don't reflect that. So maybe we're feeling discouraged at this time in ministry because of lockdown, not being able to see people, encourage them as we would love to hug them and, and be there for them as we'd like. Maybe we've just missed some opportunities with people that we, that we wish we would have taken. Maybe we're feeling discouraged because the fruits of our labor are not seeing, the fruits of our labor is not seeing fruits. The works of our labor are not feeling whatever the same is there. And it's been a long time that we've, that we've been going at it and it feels like there's not much fruit. Maybe there's a discouragement there. Maybe you're not feeling loved by God's community at the moment. Maybe you're feeling isolated and uncared for. Maybe even circumstances like finances are hard at the moment. And this is a new circumstance, something that you've not found yourself in before, that we, that, um, that we find ourselves in a discouraging time. How can God use me when I have all these worries? But as, as those around you see the joy at which you have, despite our circumstances, when they see some, a Christian that is clinging on to God when things are hard and tough and still praising him, it provides a wonderful platform for God's power to be shown. We can thank God for difficult circumstances, hard as that may be. We can encourage one another in those circumstances. But as we proclaim him, despite our situation, despite our suffering, God is made great. You see, for Paul, he had to adapt. He wasn't able to visit the churches. He was stuck in prison. What could he do? Well, he had a pretty effective ministry despite his suffering, didn't he? And despite his imprisonment. He, he loved to plant churches and he would have been at pains to not be able to see the people that he wanted to. But it led him, as we saw a couple of weeks ago in Jesbreeks, it led him to pray without ceasing. It led him to pray for people that would have their hearts and minds enlightened to God, to know him more, for the people that he knew and loved, that loved Jesus, that they would have their minds enlightened even more so they would know more of him. Paul had to rely on God to do the work from his position of weakness. And it meant that he, he ended up writing letters, didn't he, to, to encourage those churches, the letters that we have today in the Bible that are God's word. And we are encouraged by them as we are being now, hopefully. Maybe there's something to think about of adapting in your circumstances at the moment and spend some time praying about that. But God can use us, whether our circumstances are good or whether they're bad, he will use us and his power is made great in that. Well, next one, please, Ben. God uses any saint, even the less than the least of all saints. Maybe we can um, empathise with Paul with that statement. The least of saints. Can God really use me? I'm so sinful. If people only knew what I was up to that before I was a Christian that they, and that I even struggle now with, people wouldn't use me. People would think, oh, he can't do this. But Paul knew better than anyone. He was a he was a persecutor of Christians, wasn't he? And he was used to reveal the mystery of Christ to the Gentiles. Maybe we are quick to rule ourselves out of things that God wouldn't rule us out of. But Paul's ministry 
was all the more powerful because of who he was. And your ministry will be all the more powerful because of who you once were. I was just um, today when I was just finishing finishing this off. Um, I just it just made me think. This bit just made me think about um, how with my friends that I've known since I was three years old, so they've known me for thirty six years now. I struggle. I struggle the hardest with them in sharing the gospel because of they knew what I used to be like before I knew Christ, and so I find it hard that they think that I'm a bit of a hypocrite. This and you still this stuff, but actually. What I need to believe is the very fact that such a change has happened. It can only be down to the Lord. It can't be anything else. It can only be a testament to the power of God and his work. And so just to hopefully if anyone else is feeling like that, that there is um, we we sometimes do feel like hypocrites, don't we? And we think about we look at the past of what we used to do and rule ourselves out of maybe sharing the gospel with certain people. Well, I think because of those things, we have a great story in which we're able to tell that makes much of the Lord. Amen, Dan. Amen. Getting an American amen there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Feel free to jump in anyone else with amens at any time. Thank you, um, Lord. And someone else. <laughs> um, and you see, and this is not your job to rule yourself out of the mission of God. And it's not your job to do that. It's your job to say, I'm willing, send me. You see, Maybe even you feel physically unable to be used by God. And I was just really um, struck by the story of Joni, I can't even say her name, but Joni Erkson Tada. Some of you may have heard of her, an American um, evangelist who, uh, in, as a young teenager, um, was in a diving accident and ended up in a wheelchair. And it's just amazing to see the power of her ministry, despite her circumstances, she has been able to do a wonderful wonderful life of ministry where through struggling and battling in being um, being paralyzed she has managed to just go around the world and share her testimony with tens of thousands of people and being a source of encouragement to so many people she may have been forgiven to be feel sorry for herself but no she was still able despite her circumstances to be used by God in a magnificent way and even now that she's been diagnosed with cancer she is still even more fervently spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, maybe you feel like the least of all the saints because of a repeated sin that you struggle with. Maybe there's been maybe um, a struggle with lust, maybe a struggle with pornography. How can God use me when I struggle in that way? Well, the Lord will and wants to do a work in everybody's life to free them from the bondage of sin that we have been freed from that we enslave ourselves to and what a wonderful source of encouragement that is to other people as they walk alongside one another in that struggle on that journey and as we see victory in that maybe you feel like you don't have anything to offer the church you don't feel you have the gifts to do what is needed see paul stuttered when he preached he wasn't one to listen to that people would enjoy massively listening to but you see you, you may feel weak and ordinary ordinary and that is true because you are if you click on ben please but in 2 corinthians but sorry i didn't mean insulting but we are we're all weak and we are all ordinary but in 2 corinthians 12 it says uh, 2 corinthians 12 verse 9 it says but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness a verse that we've heard a lot, that we've uh, we've looked at a lot in our summer sermon series, but it's true. 
it's true when we are weak is in our weakness that he is made um, that he's sorry it's it's for his power is made perfect in our weakness and maybe we need to hold on to that and believe that as a truth but on the flip side of things instead um, we can spend time maybe looking at other people and thinking how can god use them we know that person maybe struggles with something we think how can they stand in front of the church and say that or pray like that and it's exactly what Paul had to put up with when he was sought to join the church. He was probably the last person they were expecting to or wanted to join the church after he'd been trying to kill them all. And Peter, who denied Jesus three times, and he ends up being the, Jesus says, you are the, you're going to be the rock that I build my church upon. I mean, what, what an amazing turnaround. Maybe we need to have that desire and hope and expectation of others as well. The Lord can work in and through them, no matter where they are at at the moment. But the truth is, if we know and love Jesus, we've all received the same wonderful gift of grace for, um, from God. who brings us salvation. It is we know um, if we know and love Jesus, we've all had God's grace lavished upon us. We have received adoption into his family. We have um, been uh, made right by the blood of Christ. We've been forgiven because of Christ. We've received spiritual gifts, as we'll look about in, in Ephesians 4. We've all received gifts to different degrees, but we've all received gifts that we can use to benefit one another not for selfish needs but to benefit one another and that's just exciting even as the even as we feel like we're the least of all the saints we have received gifts from god that we can use to encourage and build up the church we should not look down on one another at all we should not look down on each other's gifts we should instead use them to build one another up and re remember that we are a dwelling place for god We've been built up into a dwelling place for God. See, God can use us in any circumstance. He can use even the least of all the saints. Let's be expectant that he will use us. But finally, we see in verses 10 to 12 that we see the purpose of our new ministry. I'm just going to pick this up in verse 8, though. So it says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was, um, uh, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of mystery hidden for ages in God who will create who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I mean, great words these are. And I think verse 10, if we have a look at verse 10, it says, um, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So Paul's unique undertaking becomes the mission of all of us now who are in Christ. We are involved in this magnificent grand plan. It's, it's a bigger plan than we, than we first think about. That as a church, both as individuals within the church and as the, corporately as the church, the purpose for us is not to only enlighten the minds of other people that we know through, we pray the Spirit does that, on our behalf as we share but it's a cosmic it's got cosmic scheme it's a cosmic scale this is this is to the hostile powers the anti-god powers the rulers and authorities in the heavenlies the things that are all completely inferior to the all-powerful creator god but the church is on show to them the church is in the midst of the enemy territory at the moment aren't we we looked at what we're in in chapter two and that, that this world is ruled by the by the evil one, ruled by the devil. 
And, and in God's wisdom, it's the united church of believers with Jesus as the head of the church and us as the body. It was his wisdom that is using us to make his plan and his new humanity known to these powers. See, these powers have been thwarted. Their authority has been um, diminished. Um, over, um, believers, have, uh, their, their hold over us as believers has been cut off and all things will be united in Christ. The powers that enslaved us in our sin, making us aliens to Christ by nature, children of wrath, are being shown through the church that they have failed, that they are failing and that one day they will ultimately completely fail. This is like all things will be united under Christ and, and the church is shoving this in their face. It's saying, look, we are the church. We are, we are victorious and we will be victorious. See, the church is God's plan to further what he's doing, furthering his plan. And as we get closer and closer to the time that God will complete this plan and unite all things under Christ, and we are part of it. And if we look at those words in, in that passage, are it's through the church in verse 10, not in the church. And so the church isn't just to, an ex, to ex, existing to declare God's grand plan, but it's, it's what, sorry, so it's not just the church existing that declares God's grand plan, is what we do that declares God's grand plan as well. And that is why Paul spends three chapters, first, uh, chapters four, five, and six, talking about how important it is that how we live matters. How we live matters and has great significance for the church and for God's grand plan. And so just click on, please. But this means, all this means that we can have great confidence in the ministry that we're undertaking. We can have great confidence in it. You see, Paul encourages us, sorry, I'll read this, so verse 11, it says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realised in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul is encouraging us that even though he's in prison, he claims to have boldness and confidence in God. The difference between his privileged position and our privileged position now, but and his current situation, his present situation, is that his imprisonment magnifies God's power and glory. And so we too, in all our situations, we can have confidence and boldness that God's eternal plan is at work. Whether we feel weak or strong, whether we feel like the least of the saints or we feel like the, the most of the saints, whatever our circumstance, we can be confident that God will fulfill his plan to unite all things in Christ. But we get to play a part in it. And that's the exciting thing, isn't it? It's not, it's not all down to us at all, but, but we're part of it and we, and we get to be part of this. It's been graced and graced to us that we're able to do this. And we all have an important part to play. We're just going to finish here, but it says, um, everyone, every one of us has an important part to play, to proclaim and reveal the mystery of Christ to those around us and make him known in the cosmos. And so hopefully this will be a source of encouragement to us as well that the church that looks so weak now in this world and the culture says that its teaching is completely out to date as we stand firm on the truth of scripture the truth of the gospel and we don't sway according to the pressure of this world that is god fulfilling his plan to make himself known through the church the world and the cosmos as individuals as we seek to be united with one another who are different than us that is God fulfilling his plan to make himself known through the church, the world and the cosmos. As we gather together over Zoom, even though it's kind of hard on a Sunday night, isn't it? But as we as we endeavour to meet and praise him, that is himself, that is 
God fulfilling his plan to make himself known to the world and the cosmos. As he uses the least of these, the least of all the saints, and as we use our spiritual gifts to build one another up, that is God fulfilling his plan to make himself known through the church, the world and the cosmos. As we seek to care for one another, that God is fulfilling his plan to make himself known to the church. So um, as we seek to care for one another, that is a way in which God is fulfilling his plan through, um, through the church to, uh, to, to the world and the cosmos. As we, as we say no to sin, when that temptation is hard to bear, but we say no to that sin, that is God fulfilling his plan to make himself known to the church, um, to the world and the cosmos. As we give our time and our finances to help build his kingdom, and when we do that cheerfully, whether it's thousands of pounds or whether it's a few pennies, that is God fulfilling his plan to make himself known through the church to the world and the cosmos. As we share something of our hope with, um, with, other, with unbelievers, that is God fulfilling his plan, making himself known through the church, the world and the cosmos. And as we come now to communion, as we take it together to confess our sins, as we say thank you to Jesus for all that he's done, that is God fulfilling his plan to make himself known through the church, the world and the cosmos. That is why Paul says, don't lose heart for what I'm suffering for you. Don't worry about me. It's God is being made great in my imprisonment. He's still fulfilling his plan. I'm suffering on your behalf, but it is a blessing. And it's for the benefit of you to see that even in my weakness, even in our weaknesses, God is working or be made great from it. And so, guys, we can we can expect the same that in our circumstances, God knows what they are and he wants to use us. He wants to use you to further his kingdom. So, guys, I've just finished by praying now for us um, that that we would hopefully be encouraged that in all circumstances, whether we are whether we feel like we're the least of all saints, that we would know that we can be used by God to further his kingdom in the everyday, in the things that we do, how we live our life does matter, how we love and care for one another does matter, and it is seen, and it is furthering his kingdom. Let's pray. Well, I have one big amen at the end of this prayer. Father, we want to thank you so much for um, your word, Lord. I pray that this has been helpful. I pray that it is an encouragement for us this week. I pray that we would know that whatever's going on in our lives at the moment, you know about it. You um, knew this would happen and you are doing a work in us in that situation. Lord, that you can use us, whether we feel like we are weak, whether we feel like we have nothing to offer, Lord, I pray that um, we would recognise the truth, that you do use us, you want to use us, and precisely in those times where we are struggling and at our weakest is when your power is, is seen to be at its greatest to others, Lord, and, and around. So I pray that we would let you do that work in us and pray that we, when we are in those situations and difficulties, that we would um, turn to you and ask, how can, how can you use us now? And particularly in this situation of um, where ministry looks so different, telling people about you is, is harder and, and, and just feels more difficult at the moment. I pray that we would be prayerful in being willing to be adaptable in how we do that and that you would still put us in situations where we are able to share something of your goodness to those around. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Thank you.
Thank you, guys. I hope um, I hope that was helpful in, in some way for you. We're, we're now going to um, move into a time of communion. So what I'm going to do, Ben, if you don't, um, yeah. In fact, you needed the screen on, don't you? That's fine. I'm going to put it on gallery view so I can actually see other people. No, I can see people now. Great. Um, we're we're going to spend a bit of time in, uh, doing the Lord's Supper together now. Um, and you may, um, it's wonderful to see all your faces and so forth. It is lovely, but it, there is, there is, if you would feel, um, I'm going to ask you to get into a comfortable position now. Um, we're going to, do, we're going to just read some scripture, first of all, um, and then we're going to listen to a song to kind of um, really encourage us um, to get into a, 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 a posture of taking communion because it's a serious thing that we come to do together it's only it's for believers so if you if you know jesus this is for you if you don't can i encourage you not to take this it's not a, not a problem but we, you know it's for this is um for believers to take um together but i do need to i'm going to read some scripture um to us to, to start with and we we come to, to a time to remember what jesus has done for us and so, yeah, do find a comfortable position um, for this. But as we see what he's done for us, and I think it's good to dwell on even the great pain and suffering that he went through for us, um, our, our hearts are going to want to praise him in any circumstance. And through communion, um, we show that the church is united in the blood of Christ, and we celebrate what Christ has done in defeating every ruler and authority of heaven and on earth. And so we're going to spend a bit of time dwelling um, on the pain and the anguish that came to Jesus on the cross. And we're not going to stay there, but we're going to start there because it is helpful just to, to ready ourselves and prepare ourselves for why we're taking this. This is in remembrance of, of Jesus who went to the cross to die for us. It came at a great cost to the Father. His, his one and only Son died for us. And as I was reading this week um, in Luke, I'm going through Luke at the moment, I'm, it's on 20, chapter 22 and 23 um, this last couple of days, and we see that, um, that even this task that Jesus took, he, um, he asked for it to be removed from him, didn't he, if it was the Father's will. He was willing to do it, but he was also asking, if you will, take it away from me. And so we're just going to read that now in Luke 22. Um, I'm just going to put it up on the screen for us. Thank you, Ben. Um, and he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And, and we're going to read Luke 23 um, just to, in a moment, but we just think about the, the, the great anguish and the great pain that, he, that it was on him to go to the cross for us. This wasn't an easy thing to do. In his full humanity, it was a hard thing for him to do to the point where he sweat blood and so what a wonderful wonderful savior we have that despite all the anguish that was going on he was willing to love us this much 
that he would die for us. And we pick it up in verse, uh, in chapter 23, verse 39. One of the criminals who were uh, hanged uh, railed at him and saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and there was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Well, we're going to listen to the last words of Jesus now, put to music by Andrew Peterson. So I just encourage you, if you want to take your turn your screen off for this, that 